Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the Recovery Guy, and this is The Checkup. Hey there, this is Robert. I am the Recovery Guy. Welcome back. It is really good to have you with us. I hope you have um, enjoyed this week. Of course, we've had a uh, Tuesday podcast, uh, Wednesday and Thursday blogs, and now we're back uh, in front of the microphone for today's uh, uh, little time with you. And uh, today, the um, title of the podcast is called The Inescapable. The Inescapable. It's a uh, kind of like a Houdini kind of thing, right? Uh, uh, Houdini was probably the most um, uh, popular um, escape artist, and uh, he died uh, not being able to escape. So go figure that, right? Hey, I want you to uh, go to recoveryguy.org. Pablo is always updating me on the new hits we're getting, and you know, with our sort of reinventing ourselves with our new brand. Uh, you know, Recovery Guy has been out. Uh, we moved from Becoming Well Now to Recovery Guy back in 2016. And really, with John Barker and JJ and my daughter Jane and now Pablo re, um, redoing the site and and uh, using new keywords and things, really trying to get our message out there. And it's really working. I mean, we're over 6,200 downloads on our podcast in not even a year. Very excited about that, all organic. Um, so now, if you would, not only to, to see the blogs, but if you would go to recoveryguy.org and download the podcast from there, you can even select your favorite podcast channel from there. But at least do that periodically because if you know how Google works, it goes on clicks and ranking and, and getting us up there. And it's and, and I don't care about ranking to to uh, increase my brand, but I know that if, if individuals like me who are committed to recovery for the masses if we're easier to find, we may be able to help more people. So if you would please do that periodically, just go to recoveryguy.org, click on the link, download one of the podcasts, and, and that really helps us out tremendously. Um, Pot, uh, Pablo uh, is getting ready, if he hasn't already, to publish the uh, uh, the RG newsletter, and, and you won't want to miss uh, Susie Says, uh, Susie MD is my dear friend. She's in Al-Anon, the other side of the table. Uh, she is a dear friend of Laura and me, and she is doing a a, a corner uh, on the other side and what she's gone through as um, ha- having a a loved one um, who is 
uh, an alcoholic and the struggles and the challenges that come along with that and her being a single mom of three teenagers. I, I don't even want to know what that would be like, right? Uh, but somehow Susie maintains uh, her sanity and has a great story. So you won't want to miss uh, Susie says in the in the newsletter. So please sign up for that. Again, go to recoveryguy.org. Uh, if you haven't found me on um, Instagram, I'm recovery underscore guy, recovery underscore guy. Um, and I want to give a huge shout out to please go check my friend out. Uh, it's at Tom Polychuk. You're going to love that. If you love music and you love someone very trendy, very cool, a person in recovery, a wonderful father, committed relationship. So go to at T-H-O-M-P-O-L-Y-C-H-U-K, Tom Polychuk. Tom is with a T-H, T-H-O-M-P-O-L-Y-C-H-U-C-K. Check this cat out. Tell him hello. Tell him you encourage him. Encourage his music. The guy's keyboard player, guitar player, incredible vocalist, kind of like an Adam Levine uh, type person with his own vibe, right? You will dig this guy. Trust me when I tell you, uh, you're going to appreciate him. And, and I know he'll appreciate you helping him get his art out there. He's got this song called Lights Out that you can get on um, Spotify or Apple Music, and it's really good. I, I think you'll like it a lot. So... Uh, so now you know how to reach me. Thank you for all the support. You've been amazing. I can't do this without you. Matter of fact, because of you, I do this. If it wasn't for you and 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 Scotty and Melissa with um, Welcome Home and and uh, with Debbie and Wendy who have now taken over the Zoom meeting for um, uh, Annie's house, um, you know, I don't know what I do. I I would go to my meetings and I would you know meet the people that I sponsor or uh, certainly work a little bit more with my sponsor, Will. And uh, But my life would not be nearly as complete and fulfilled uh, if it wasn't for you. And not only, you know, it's doing these podcasts and these blogs, but these things don't come easy. I mean, to put together material, and you ask my bro Shane Raymer and, and Jay Shetty and, and others out there who are doing some real effective podcasts, we create our own content. And so, you know, I might be 30 minutes in front of the microphone with you twice a week, but I'm doing 90 minutes to two hours worth of research. The blogs that we're doing, um, I'm searching material all the time, and then we, we, do, we publish blogs. Jonathan wants me to do at least 650 words to make it a substantive blog, and, and that takes study, which is really good because the more I study, the more I learn, and the more I learn, the more I'm able to teach. And the more I teach, the more I learn. And that's a wonderful thing. So thanks for being here. The inescapable. There is an expression, you may have heard it, but this expression reads, you can run, but you can't hide. Have you heard that before? You can run, but you can't hide. It's, it's often said the two inescapable things in life are death and taxes, right? Death and taxes. Although I, I see the humor in this, there are there is more than death and taxes um, that uh, are inescapable. 
one of the things that comes to mind is feelings. And no, not the Barry Manilow song. I've already escaped from that. Uh, one of the things that is really important is feelings. And over this past weekend, as I, as I talked to you about uh, on Tuesday, um, we had a wonderful family get-together. Uh, it was uh, involving the shower with my daughter-in-law, Phoebe, and uh, she is carrying uh, Laura and mine's uh, eighth grandchild. And if we didn't love her already, we, we love her a lot more now. She's a wonderful person. She's going to be a great mom, and she's an amazing uh, wife to our, to our son, Rob. Uh, but my daughters, uh, Kathleen and Carol, were were part of that reunion. And, and as so many of you know, and I've mentioned even again on Tuesday, um, I've become very close with these daughters, very close. And um, what makes this so spectacular is that these are the two girls that, I, that I've talked about that I walked out on at the height of my addiction. One of the reasons that I believe in forgiveness and redemption to the degree that I do is how these daughters have embraced me in my recovery. And I know that wasn't easy for them because I wounded them so badly. I mean, the wounds, you know, my dad was alcoholic, but he never left the home, right? I, I felt alone and separated, and, and that's another story for ACA or adult children of alcoholics or the Al-Anon side of things. You know what I mean. But, but to be abandoned by someone who should be the last person to abandon you, the last two people on the planet to abandon you would be your father and, and your mother. And, and, and forgiveness does not come easy when you have that sort of uh, abandonment. And yet, I believe because of the love of, of Sue, their mom, and, and, and the kindness of their, of their stepdad, Dave, and, and just how their heart is positioned, um, they were willing to forgive and redeem me and, uh, and embrace me. And it was just a great reason, a uh, weekend for that. One of the things that Carol and I were discussing was the notion, and Carol said, one can never really run away from their feelings. They are always waiting for you at your next destination. Isn't that wild? I'm going to repeat that again. One can never really run away from their feelings. They are always waiting for you at your next destination. Then last night, Kathleen and I were discussing the problem with secrecy. Um, remember um, uh, Deadly Science, uh, Silence, Deadly Silence uh, uh, from last week, and uh, I pulled the lyric line from Simon and Garfunkel's um, Sounds of Silence, uh, Silence Like a Cancer Grows, and Kathleen and I were discussing uh, that, and, you know, because we are in such great pain and an emotional distress, we hope to... Uh, sort of, you know, escape our feelings uh, via secrecy about them. The reality is our feelings are, they are inescapable. When I consider all the things that I, that I thought I could not control, 
It was those very things that were controlling me. I remember early on sitting in the rooms of recovery and being so caught up with emotion because I was afraid to express this emotion because I had medicated my feelings for so long that I was afraid of what would become of me if I begin or began to express those feelings. Know what I mean? The emotion is so backed up. There's so much pressure pushing forward. You're afraid if you give it any release or relief at all, it will break through the entire dam and destroy everything in its path. I remember that. I remember doing the steps. You know, steps one, two, and three, they were kind of easy. And then I had to get to step four, where I made a searching and moral inventory. And unfortunately, someone said to me, it's only a list. You're not doing anything with it. You need to express it and write these things down. But I was afraid. I had so much guilt and so much shame, especially the biggest, the biggest roadblock I've ever had to get over in my recovery. And I don't know if I ever fully get over it because it's always there, what I did to my daughter's. It doesn't harm me and prevent me in the way. But I, I never want to forget where I came from. And, and doing that was where I came from. But, but I remember thinking that I don't, I know I'm not going to drink again, but if I begin to feel, I might start crying and not be able to stop. Do you ever feel that way? with such pent-up emotion. And, and sometimes for us, feeling was so painful we had to medicate because expressing those feelings was far too painful. What I found along my journey is that not expressing or thinking I can escape from my feelings, that is what would hold me captive. And it would then lead to so many other negative experiences. The one area that I thought I could escape from became inescapable. Because at some point or another, there was not enough drugs or alcohol on the planet that I could consume without killing me that would allow me to escape. what I had become. I could say that I was not going to feel, but the broken aspects of my life became even more shattered because of my emotional secrecy. Sadly enough, and, and this may be true for you as well, sadly enough, I, I carried much of this into my early recovery. I was kind of like a, a minimalist. Right? 
I was going to do the steps, but I don't know how deeply I was going to do them. I was going to pray and meditate, but only superficially. And I was going to go to meetings, but I was only going to make sure I shared what I thought you would want me to hear so you would allow me to come back, right? I mean, that's what we do, right? We negotiate with our recovery. Matter of fact, though, I have come to believe that this notion I could escape from my feelings led to my relapse. As so many of you know, I I relapsed at day 71. And um, fortunately, I was only out there again trying to recapture that feeling for, for five days, six days. I was very fortunate. And I was able to come back to the program of April 25th, 1986. And and I've never had another drink or drug since then. And we are, mir- are, we are miracles, right? My friend Angie, four years this last weekend. Unbelievable. Four, can you imagine going? And, and you got to check out Angie T. I think it's Angie T08 on Instagram. Check out Angie's story. Single mom of two boys. One is autistic. This chick is just a badass miracle. Just celebrated four years. And and it was a struggle early on for her, but she realized that her feelings were inescapable and she had to process them. Otherwise, she would relapse and maybe not come back. Understanding that feelings are something to embrace rather than escape is an essential element in recovery. Either we control the feelings or the feelings control us. Does that make sense? Either control the feelings or the feelings will control us. If we are to go from broken to whole, this must be done. This is non-negotiable. This is an absolute. And I know that absolute power corrupts absolutely. I get it. But there are certain things that are absolutes in the life of recovery. If you want to try recovery without a belief in a power greater than yourself, I pray you get back because the likelihood is more than likely you will relapse. There are certain things that we must do. We must clear away the wreckage of our past. We must give freely of what we find. There are certain things that we must do, and for us to go from broken to whole, we have to understand that our feelings are inescapable, and the sooner we begin to feel and get on that path, of healing because feeling will bring healing. We will heal quicker and we will heal more deeply. So I've written down these nine things. You know me, I just like to write some thoughts down and some steps down. And these are things that I've done along the way. Maybe you want to do them, maybe not. I'm, I'm chill either way. Just entertain them. Take a piece of them. One of the things that I like about uh, about shop, 
chopped because I love to be in the kitchen. I was in the restaurant business for a number of years, and I love to be in the kitchen and uh, and and they'll get these uh, four ingredients that they need to uh, make a, an appetizer, a main course, and then a dessert from in in different rounds. Maybe you've seen the show Chopped. It's on Food Network. It's actually pretty good. If you like to be around the kitchen and get some great ideas, then watch a show like Chopped. Anyway, so they so they have these ingredients in this basket, and sometimes it's a single uh, ingredient, and sometimes it might be like a a burrito or a chocolate sundae or something, and and or even if it's like a zucchini, they they have to do something with it to sort of um, redirect it, and so you know, or to um, repurpose it as it were right and that's what we need to do with our feelings we need to repurpose them and understand that they are inescapable and they're not the enemy we need to repurpose them as our friend and this must be done so here are the steps that we can do as a starter first thing we must do is become sick and tired of being sick and tired period. Because if we're not tired, and that's why step one is so important in recovery. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol or whatever the substance was, and our life had become unmanageable. If we really don't believe that, we're not going to do the work that it takes to accomplish steps two through 12. We won't do it. And the same thing here if you don't become convinced in step or number one where you are really sick and tired of being sick and tired, you might as well just turn the podcast off because you're not going to like the next eight things. You're not going to do the next eight things. And if you are, you're going to treat them like a buffet. So the first thing we must be is sick and tired of being sick and tired. Number two, establish a relationship with God or your higher power. It can be anything you want. Again, as a Christian, I'm very defined in mine. Maybe you're Muslim. Maybe you are um, uh, Judaism. Maybe you're Catholicism. I, I don't know, you know. But, but I do know that navigating and integrating and, and growing in a relationship with God or that power greater than you is essential to any plan we put together. The next thing I think is practically helpful is find a trusted person who has empathy for you. A trusted, a trusted person who has empathy for you. A person who can feel what you're feeling. They don't have to share a like experience, but that's not necessary. You know, there's a, there's a notion out there that only an alcoholic can help another alcoholic or a drug addict can only help another drug addict. That's hooey. That was, that, was, that was made up by an ego-driven alcoholic or drug addict who wanted to think that the, the only people that could help them was another one. And it was just really an excuse or, or a person so caught up with who they are in their recovery that they thought they were the only person capable of helping. No, 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 no. If that's the truth, then then, uh, then, then all of these wonderful non-addicted therapists would have no value. No. There are so many therapists and clinical technicians out there 
who can be so helpful, ministers, pastors, imams, priests, so many people out there, just clinical counselors, clinical psychologists, psychiatrists. When I was involved in um, dual diagnosis with social model recovery in Southern California, I was up at this facility called um, River Community, and it was fantastic. It was a dual diagnosis, and there was a psychiatrist that would come there uh, twice a month and reevaluate to make sure that the participants were taking their meds regularly and and just making sure they were they were balanced and they were so helpful to so many of these participants because then we were able to go in and begin speaking to them of recovery in between getting their clinical uh, their meds balanced and and uh, everything balanced there we were able to add some recovery and for many of them they were able to go on and live uh, lives that they had always wanted to live. So, so find that person of empathy and use them. If I can be a help as a life coach, please let me know. Message me, contact me, reach out to me, and we can have that conversation. Number, um, number four, begin expressing the feelings a little at a time. We don't want to just expose everything and let the air out of the room. It's kind of like taking a drink through a fire hose, right? All the water is good and necessary, but if if most of it ends up on the ground and unused, what good did it do? So be very, very careful in in how much you open up that 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 emotional spigot. The feelings will come out of. Use judgment, and maybe that person in number three who has empathy for you, maybe they can help guide you and monitor you along the way. Now, number number five, as you move forward, be selective with, with who you share your feelings with. This is really important. Just because you feel a particular way, maybe it's not right, or maybe the timing or how it's expressed to a person, that feeling to release that emotion, maybe it's not a good idea. You know, again, going back to the program of recovery, in step eight is like we made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Number nine is to make direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Be very careful with that. So in the same vein, as we express our feelings, be very careful with who and what you share with. And not only then what, to what degree that you shared with. You know, when, when I went to make amends to, to Sue, my first wife, you know, she didn't need to know all the sordid details of, of what a terrible husband I was. Why do that? It wasn't necessary. It was just enough for her to know that I was very sorry for being such a failure when she gave so much to the relationship. When, when she was offering so much or, or other relationships and other reconciliation that we've had to make. Number six, I like this one because now we're starting to come through the other side. Enjoy the emotional freedom because of releasing the pressure. And if you've already gone through this and you're going through it more, it's like momentum. It's like learning to fly, just 
little by little, just enjoying the freedom. If you've never read Jonathan Livingston Seagull, you must. Jonathan is a seagull and he's learning to fly and it's fantastic. There's an emotional freedom that occurs when we release the pressure. The next thing, number seven, become more courageous in sharing. As we go and as we gain more wisdom, we gain courage and we're not afraid because we know expressing feelings really can't hurt us. And we become more courageous. And then I really think we get more of an emotional freedom as well. So six and seven can sort of pop back and forth. One will lead and there's a connectivity with the other. Number eight, cease to engage in the negative behavior that was caused by the secrecy. Just stop it. Stop doing what you were doing that gave you the feelings that you had that led to the secrecy of hiding them. My dear friend and sponsor, Will, says, you know, we, it says we clear away the wreckage of our past, give freely of what you find and join us. So Will says, if we clear away the wreckage of our present, it won't become the wreckage of our past. So stop engaging the negative behavior that got us to that position in the first place. Check yourself. That's why we have a step 10 in recovery. Continue to take personal inventory, and when you were wrong, promptly admitted it. Number nine, very similar to um, number six, because it's a continuum, and we build off it. Enjoy life like never before. The recovered life is not just about not drinking and using and getting the practical benefits by it. It's an emotional, spiritual transformation. And I love in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous about how it talks about being rocketed into a fourth dimension, which is the spiritual realm. We can go higher and become more recovered, become more well, enjoy life to a deeper and more meaningful aspect. And I hope this is occurring for you. Feelings are inescapable. We must deal with and process them so they don't deal with and process us. I want to thank you for your time today. It's been amazing as usual. Go to recoveryguide.org, check out the website, download the blogs, Click on the podcast so you increase my page ranking. Find me on recovery underscore guy on Instagram, at the recovery guy on Facebook. Check my bio out. Message me. Reach out to me. Let me know as a sober coach, as a life coach, how I can help you. You know, I've been married over 31 years, and Laura and I are so happy. If you need help with a relationship, I don't have all the answers. You know, but you don't stay in a happy, vibrant marriage for 31 years without learning some things along the way. And reconciliation with children and becoming a good citizen and a good application all the while not worrying about drinking or using regardless. Let me know what I can do to make your life just a little bit better and that will make my life just a little bit better. I want to thank you so much for the time today. 
I want to thank you so much for joining us. And as always, my name is Robert, and I am the Recovery Guy.